Why Filter Life? This episode today is about loss. I had a personal loss that profoundly affected my family. On September 9th, 2015, two police officers knocked on my door approximately 7 p.m. and asked if I was Miss Goitis and if they could come inside. So I let them in and they asked me to have a seat. I refused to sit down. They told me that Ronald Goitis Jr. had passed away in Quebec and that the police department in Quebec contacted the Fort Mill Police Department where I lived at the time so they could notify me. Today's episode, I have a special guest today. Her name is Diane Carlson. She is she works for Hospice and Palliative Care, and they have a division called Camp Hands of Hope. It's a bereavement camp. She is advanced certified hospice and palliative care social worker. She has her master's and her license in the state of South Carolina. She is a certified bereavement counselor, and she is the associate director of Camp Hands of Hope. A little bit about Diane. Diane loves to drink coffee. She loves the beach. She loves her church. She's really into uh, making people comfortable with their situation. She is a proud grandmother. And I am so thankful to welcome Diane Carlson. Oh, hey, Diane Carlson. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good morning. And I hope you're doing good, too. I am doing Wonderful. And I'm just so grateful that you've taken your time to talk to me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Um, I see that you are an advanced certified hospice and palliative care social worker. Correct. And a certified bereavement counselor. Counselor. Yeah. Yeah, my experience has been uh, in social work for 20 plus years and got into hospice back in 2008. And there is a certification that you can get through the National Association of Social Workers. They have additional training that you can take for specifically for working with people who are on hospice and palliative care in some of those issues that they may have. And then As part of my role with the foundation, the Hospice and Palliative Care Foundation, uh, we work with a lot of people who are dealing with end of life. And obviously, along with that comes bereavement. So I got an additional certification as a bereavement counselor and took some coursework to do that. So it's benefited me and hopefully the people that I'm working with and as the organization continues to expand our education and outreach to the community, those two uh, certifications combined um, help me to reach out and make meaningful um, support for uh, available to people. So are you in, you're in South Carolina, so your certification and license is South Carolina, North Carolina, both? 
the certification, uh, both of those certifications are national certifications. They can, I can practice that anywhere in the country. I am a licensed master social worker. I'm licensed in both South Carolina uh, and I do have a, sort of a licensure in New York, which is where I originally came from. Um, I would have to reinstate that because I've been out of the state for quite a while, but uh, mainly I'm practicing in South Carolina right now. So South Carolina license works. Well, um, I love South Carolina. It's a beautiful day in South Carolina. Mm, it is. It I is. know it's beautiful outside today. I'm just so grateful. So we're so blessed. Um, I feel mm-hmm. like I've come a long way since I went to camp hands of hope in 2015, uh, yeah. dark cloud over me during that time, during the bereavement camp. I don't remember a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very thankful that you guys incorporated some art into that yes. camp. Because I have those things on my wall, um, around, we did the hands and then, Mm -hmm. uh, daddy was the tree Ron, um, at, when he died, I was 48. Um, Nicholas's son was 10. His daughter Carson was 18. She had just started Winthrop to become a social worker. So, Mm. um, but that whole experience, I just remember that like I said, there was just a dark cloud. So a lot of things, but pieces stand out. The, the staff, the counselors, the people that I, that we were around, it was so moving. And then, you know, six years later, reflecting upon it, if I would not, if I would have skipped going to that camp, mm-hmm. I think I would have skipped a lot of healing in my life. Um, so it, my profound loss, Camp Hands of Hope, you were able to hold me tightly. I want to cry talking about it. Um, I just felt so much love, so much generosity, so much support. And hearing the stories of all the loss and tragic and horrific things that's happened. People lost kids, husbands, wives. Um, you know, it was just a very moving, dark time in my life. And if it wasn't for Camp Hands of Hope, I don't think we could have um, transformed into the new normal. Right. Um, right. As well. You know, it, you guys put me on a path to my new normal, to be healthy again, happy again, to experience joy again. It took a long time for joy to come back. Sure. But it came back. That is always good news. And there should be joy to come back at some point. It can just take a while. It's some of the things you've touched on too, with regard to camp and that experience. Um, You mentioned the artwork. And I think for a lot of people, it is hard to express what you're feeling in words sometimes. Those emotions run so deep um, for adults and for children. And to be able to express that in artwork can be very helpful and very healing. And like you say, those are things that you can keep with you as reminders 
And those are skills that you can take to know that if you're having trouble expressing what you're going through, to be able to put something on a piece of paper or to paint something, um, the use of color or just use of um, objects that you may have to represent that grief is a very healthy way to express the grief and get it out there because you want to be able to explore what those feelings and emotions are in a safe environment. And I think that's what camp has. And as you said, um, there were others that have gone through a similar experience, not exactly the same. There were different stories, but to be able to be in a place where you can share those stories and do it and not get shut down in sharing. It's so hard when you're out in the general population, even among uh, close friends, they don't get it the same way as someone who's gone through that experience. So, you know, I, I, that is one of the reasons definitely that we host those camps because we know people need that safe space in a way to express those emotions. So I'm, I'm so glad that you are still finding that beneficial. Extremely. And one of the cool things that we did at camp and that I learned and my children learned, um, just because my husband and their dad is gone. Like for example, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Mm. Um, we did, we made a plate Mm -hmm. and that's my artwork and their artwork. And I've already set my table today with flowers for tomorrow. And he has a, place uh his plates there his napkin and um that's daddy's place because even though he's gone physically from this world and and our world he's still a huge part of us and will always be yeah so you your camp taught me that it's okay to have a place setting it's not crazy to have a play setting that someone's yeah. not going to be there. Exactly. exactly. And that's so healing. And it and when I put the plate out, this is the first time it really felt good and okay. Mm. Mm. I think um, one of the things we encourage people to do also is to be able to look at what events are coming and holidays are coming and the plate gives you a reason to think ahead of, well, how can I do this? How can I set that place setting? How can I make this and include that loved one in our ongoing celebrations? Because as you say, they're always with you. It's just, we don't have that physical expression, but we certainly have those emotions. Right. And we want that connectedness. We want to be able to share memories. I mean, to be able to go around the table and say, do you remember when? And you've got the plate right there to remind you that person is very real in our lives. They are not gone. Um, We can reflect back and even in one sense, share with them what's going on in our lives today. If they were there sitting there, what could we tell them about where we're at so many ways you can use an uh, activity like that. You know, at the time during camp, again, the dark cloud, processing mm-hmm. all of that was not possible. But sure. as the years passed, I mean, you guys know what you're doing. <laughs> Thank I you. I mean, and you, and you gen- genuinely, I felt love. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But a question I wanted to ask you, um, just a personal question. How do you cope with this tragic, profound grief that is shared with you? I think we all know, um, we don't like to face it, but we all know that at some point we're going to suffer loss. We ourselves are going to suffer death. Um, And to keep that in perspective, knowing that grief is a normal part of our lives. We don't like to think of that part, but it is a normal part of our lives. So making sure that we do take care of ourselves, just as we encourage families to do, give yourself that breather, do those healthy things, get some rest, make sure that you're eating healthy. I will, and my coworkers will tell you, I drink way too much coffee, but uh, you know that's, that's my go-to, but I, I know when I've had too much. And again, it, it's doing those things that will help you maintain an appropriate boundary and taking care of yourself, but being able to engage so that you can engage with people when they enter in and let them tell their story. We're not there to fix anything. And I think that's a big load off of us. Okay. I'm not there to fix you. I'm there to walk with you. So whatever happens, whatever comes out, I'm walking alongside you, kind of exploring those feelings and thinking about how can we support you with what you're going through now and give you some suggestions you can choose to take now or take in the future. So it's understanding our role that we're not there as counselors to fix you, but we are there as witnesses to your pain to walk with you through it and provide, again, some opportunities for you to explore that a little bit and to think about ways that you might be able to cope. So we've got some tools that we can use to do that, like the activities and discussions and I journal myself. I take some time. Journaling is one of the things we talk about. For some people, it works great. And for some people, it doesn't. But to be able to see where you were, what's been going on, and where you are now is helpful. And I do that myself as I look at what I'm doing in my work and in my role. Well, journaling, um, I remember us talking about that in camp. Mm-hmm. And I remember us uh, writing some things down, but at the time I was like, oh God. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but now six years post this horrible thing that happened to our family, um, I decided, because I'm going to be 55, that in, in middle age, that I have two choices. I can create or stagnate. And I chose to create. Mm-hmm. So I am now journaling um, like a little different than just writing down. Well, I write down notes, but I'm doing this podcast as my way of healing. It is still a mm-hmm. process. It's not over. I don't think no. grief will ever be over. Like you said, mm-hmm. um, this is my creative outlet. And it feels good. Absolutely. 
to be able to share, and again, that connection you can have with others, even though it's across a screen, to know that you have been helped by others by when they've shared, and then to be able to do that yourself, to be that kind of a person that can walk alongside. It's a different platform, but to share what you've learned in our experiences. We've lost a lot of that in our culture and in our society, it used to be that families would get together, churches would get together. We'd share, you know, that whole purpose of sharing a testimony is to be able to talk about what you've gone through and what you've learned from your experiences. And we need to be able to do that when we're grieving. That's a very healthy thing to be able to do. Um, And I do encourage people to share with others so that they can understand that those feelings, like you said, I'm not crazy. This is what grief does to us. And to be able to do that in a podcast is great. A greater reach of an audience. I hope so. Um, I hope that a part of the reason why I was wanting to do this podcast is to be generous, to share some of mm-hmm. my life experiences. Um, so the main thing is, yeah, this is what happened to me. This is a profound thing that happened in my life. This is what I did. This, These are some steps I took. And here are some resources, some wonderful resources that I was able to find. And what I also think is so cool is um, you guys are a nonprofit. And mm-hmm. you, if someone can't afford your camp, you will still get them there somehow, some way. Um, I think that's a beautiful thing. So um, I would like to, at the end of our podcast, talk a, you know talk a little bit about where people can go to get the information about Camp Hands of Hope, if that's okay with you. Oh, absolutely. Um, The camp itself, we cover all the costs of the camp, but there is a registration fee to help us with the costs of getting everything set up. Um, But yeah, if we do have a, a waiver, if somebody finds that a financial hardship for that registration fee. It's just a single fee for a family. It isn't per person. It's just a single fee for family. So yeah, um, love to talk about how people can support this uh, camp experience for families across South Carolina. Well, one of the things I remember about camp, and I have to be honest with you because I did miss some sessions on one of the days because I chose to be with my children and we played basketball Mm-hmm. to like one o'clock in the morning with another family member that had lost their spouse and mm-hmm. their children were there. So we stayed out. You had basketball courts. My kids mm-hmm. were that, you know, it was a few moments of forgetting right. why we were there. Right. And, um, I realized it was getting late. We had like an eight o'clock session. Um, so that was a that was a part of counseling for me. And I apologize for missing like the first session the next day because that was awful of me. But we were so tired and we slept in and then um, we came late and your counselors were packing up and a lot of the people had already left and they just stopped what they were doing and gathered around us and informed us of all the things that we missed. And I let them know why. And um, they just hugged us 
not literally, but just hugged us with this information. And it was great. Now I do advise for people when they go not to miss any sessions. Um, but that was just a choice I made, whether it was right or wrong at the, at the time, but playing, I my kids remember playing basketball. You know, um, everybody's grief journey is different and each family is different too. And with your kids at, at the given ages, they were to be able to connect with other kids in a family and, and to be able to do a physical activity together, there's a lot of healthy uh, emotion getting out. There's a release in being able to do that. There's a lot of joy, those uh, endorphins that happen when we do that physical exercise to bring a more positive experience to something. Um, that's a very healthy thing to be able to do. Uh, I hear you. We appreciate when families do attend the full sessions to get the benefit of it, but there clearly was a benefit and a need for your family and the other family to be able to take that special time and do something for yourselves. So kudos to being able to do that and making the choice. Um, well, thank you. I just had to confess that um, I wasn't, <laughs> True confessions. Um, you know, the 100% participant. And another thing that I really remember that stands out is we had uh, a campfire night with music for mm -hmm. the kids. Uh, now the kids were separated. Like my son, Nicholas 10, he went with that age for a while. Then my daughter, 18, went with her age for a while. We weren't together the whole day, which I thought was really right. cool. But then you brought mm -hmm. us together. But we, we walked up this path and you guys, we had, we lit candles with a bat in a bag with some sand mm -hmm. and the bag had artwork on it. So we walked through the woods to the uh, pavilion where you had the fire pit, the marshmallows, the music. Uh, I even remember hearing children laugh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I get—I don't know if people really think about that, but when sometimes when you're in the midst of grief and tragedy, you don't hear those things. And you wonder why, if you do, why is that person laughing? Why has the world not stopped? Mm -hmm. But it was comforting to hear laughter. It gave me hope. Yeah. The, um, we do different um, curriculums for the various camps. We try and hold three a year. And that particular camp, those luminaries give the kids um, in their different uh, age groups an opportunity to draw a memory uh, on the paper bags. They're usually the white bags that um, you can draw a memory on and then to line that pathway. So it's like you're remembering your loved ones as you walk up through the campfire. And I think sometimes there's an activity that they can do, write a letter to someone um, and then share it and put it in the, the flame and let that go up. There's different activities that they do. But um, again, being able to have those opportunities to have uh, a memory, but also to have a time of joy and celebrate with other people to get in that routine again, to have that normal or a, a semblance of a normal activity where you can engage in conversation with others, enjoy watching the children play, um, all kinds of things that you can do and be together um, and be again in a safe space to share. So I'm glad you had that opportunity and the kids. Um, 
a memory for them too. I'm all about a good s'more. <laughs> now I did ask my son, um, I was like, Nicholas, what all do you remember from camp? And he had mm-hmm. a few little pieces that he re- he remembered the basketball. He remembered the artwork. Um, he remembered writing down stuff and he also remembered playing. I thought mm-hmm. that was so precious that he remembered that he got to play. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now, adolescents, teenagers, you know, I remember I had to um, beg my child, my teenager to go this, you know, cause teenagers, you know, that's a whole nother level of grief. That's, I don't even, I mean, they're already dealing with so much, but she went, there were teenagers there. So, I mean, what do you say to folks who have teenagers and they're like, I'm not going, or how did, how do we encourage them to go? Cause they need it as much as we need it. Yeah. Um, I think the, as you say, the teenagers are more about, you know, what else is going on. It's the social side of it, having to, you know, share with somebody that they don't know or look bad in somebody else's eyes. Um, that always so big for that, those teenage years and even trying to figure out who they are. And you don't want to have anybody feel a sense of rejection, um, at a camp. You want them to feel that they can share So how do you encourage them? Um, I think it's just being open with them that grief is going to happen and we'd like to go together as a family because this is something that's happened to our family and it will help not just you, but all of us together to be able to be uh, at the camp and talk about or find ways to explore that grief and express that grief because it's going to come out one way or another. Right. Let's do it in a healthy place where we can do it together as a family and help one another as we go through this. Um, that would be one of the things. Certainly we encourage people to talk with the kids and we try and give people an overview of what camp experience will be like. So there aren't any big surprises when they get there. Well, once she got there, there was a cute boy there. So that really helped. <laughs> Thank you so much for having a cute teenage boy because that's all it took. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, you know, that's another piece of it that the death has occurred, but life does go on. And to allow that to be in a group, to be there, to have an interest in somebody, to be um, able to enjoy the scenery, to be able to enjoy a meal. And to have the space to do it in, again, a safe space away from the other responsibilities, away from the school crowd, away from the housework, you know, all of those things to come together as a family, each one in their own age group uh, for periods of time, and then to be able to come back together as a family to kind of process what we're learning and what we're doing. And um, it's, it's a unique environment, and we love having it as a family together Um because I think there's there's definitely a benefit to doing it as a family unit as opposed to having the kids go and then you'd never hear what they did or how they did. You want to be there when you can kind of process it together. So, well, I also enjoyed um, when everything was over, like you said, processing together and being together. So we had a cute little room with bunk beds. And um, so at the end of the, the night... Again, you know, I'm reflecting because at the time mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate it because I was so dark, dark. cloud. Yeah. 
But that was special time. We had pajamas because I'd got us some pajamas. Um, we got to talk. Um, and then we got to sleep. We got to rest because we were tired. Yeah. Yeah. Just together as a family unit, again, separated from all the other environmental things that we have, not having to do the housework, not having to do, think about the next place to run to. You were on a schedule, but still giving you some spare time and some free time to yourselves. And yeah, those camps that that was probably Camp Kynard that, uh, or might've been White Oak that you were at. um, It was in Columbia, close to Columbia. Okay. So that was probably Kynard, Camp Kynard. Um, then the no TV. <laughs> yeah, no TV. In our rooms, we had no TV. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. You have to talk. That's one of the things some of the kids... That's why uh, we talk. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Turn off the device and just uh, be able to communicate. So No, that was yeah. amazing. That, that, you know, reflecting again, that, um, that time was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I am so thankful. I don't know what resource told me about you. I don't remember how I found out. Whatever, whoever, whatever. I am so grateful and so thankful. A lot of our uh, referrals actually come from school counselors. We reach out to them when we have an upcoming camp and we do send out a newsletter to let people know who are on our mailing list. But of course, if it's somebody that's just lost someone, they probably aren't necessarily on our newsletter but we do send notification out to school counselors across the state to let them know. And they give those uh, flyers and information to, to parents. Um, and that is, again, the way we get a lot of our referrals for camp. Well, you know, I was wanting to ask you something else. Um, what experience or who inspired you to become this bereavement counselor? Uh, I think, again, working in um, hospice and palliative care, being able to walk alongside somebody in that family, actually, or couples in that journey, if they're losing somebody as you prepare. But then for hospice, um, you don't physically go see that person after the loved one has passed, maybe one time but the bereavement needs are there and one visit isn't going to really address those needs. So learning about ways that we can reach out and that I can reach out and be part of a program that supports families who are grieving uh, was one of the reasons I went and got that additional training as a bereavement counselor. And hopefully we'll continue to expand our program so that we can continue to provide education in the community and perhaps even do some day camp uh, experiences uh, with families, um, those that maybe can't get away for a whole weekend and and look at expanding that program. So did you do that um, during COVID? Did you guys do remote camps? And we did. Okay, good. Yeah. um, And we got one camp in in February, just before things really got shifted last uh, year. And then we've done four 
trying to think if it's four or five uh, virtual camps. And those we do, um, we ask families to do an activity together on Friday evening and then log on to our camp um, on Saturday and have a session during the day on Saturday with a break in there for them to take a breather. And then as we do in the other camps, um, we have a session for parents only or adults only um, where they can talk with the child life specialist. You mentioned about the counselors um, at camp and we use child life specialists to help us develop the curriculum. And we also have a bere another bereavement counselor on our camp staff um, that helps us with the adult curriculum. And um, again, learning about those things and wanting to make a good impact and have a strong program led me to want to go ahead and get my certification as a bereavement counselor. There's a lot of things we don't know still. We're still learning. So it's a, it's a lifelong journey for all of us. I mean, I totally agree. It's a lifelong journey. Um, but again, I just wanted to thank you and your organization, because if it wasn't for you, you, I would not be on this path to heal this lifelong path of, of healing. Mm -hmm. Um, you gave me, you're talking about the curriculum you gave mm -hmm. me and my children tools and resources that at the time, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize it and they didn't either, but that those resources over the years, it is just amazing how we use them and how we needed them. And I am so thankful, you know, I hate that COVID happened. That's horrible, but it seems like we're moving into a shift now where your camp, Camp Hands of Hope can reach people who can't come to camp. Right. So, right. I mean, I highly encourage, you know, if you can't make it to at least do the virtual. So I'm glad that mm -hmm. you guys are, are at least doing that. You're giving other options. Now there's no excuse. There's no excuse right. not to go. Right. Right. Well, we try. And um, I think over time, um, if we're able to get some um, camps in different locations across the state to help people um, be able to do it locally, uh, maybe for an outdoor event for a day. But the virtual camp, the the benefit of when we can come together is being able to split up into the different age groups. Um, right. And then it is truly a peer environment. So, you know, from five to eight-year-olds or seven-year-olds, um, they understand grief kind of at their level. And then you move up to the tweens um, where they understand it a little bit more about what that means to have somebody die. And then teens, as you noted, that's a whole new ball game there. They are just a very different environment. Um, they are um, able to... Uh, process differently and we want them to be able to come together and uh, just share as teens a whole different perspective on life and give them the encouragement that they may need to go back in their community and be able to deal with the loss and like you say we want to provide those tools um, to them. Diane you have been a delight thank you <laughs> for taking your time. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. I know you're getting a Christmas tree. Is that bringing to the house <laughs> yeah. now? Um, you've taken your, 
holiday time to talk with me. I am sincerely appreciative of your time. Mm. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate it. And just a reminder, www.hpcfoundation.org is our website. And anybody can reach me at info at hpcfoundation.org. I'm happy to answer questions. Well, I will also put some information at the end about Hospice and Palliative Care Camp Hands of Hope. And we um, hope, I hope, my hope is at least positively impact one person from this. That would be awesome. And it's our hope as well. Thank you so much for sharing so openly. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I, I, I do not have a filter. That's why I call my podcast, <laughs> Why Filter Life? And I'm really Southern, so my friends say, how many syllables are in W-H-Y, that word? (laughs) Yeah. All good. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Thank you so much. Thank you, Diane. You're welcome. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
The Hospice and Palliative Care Foundation is the nonprofit organization that funds and manages Camp Hands of Hope. The Hospice and Palliative Care Foundation, please visit www.ocfoundation.org. Also, research shows one in seven children will lose a parent or sibling before the age of 20. Census data shows this equals over 10 million children nationwide. This means more than 150,000 children in South Carolina will experience a loss before their 20th birthday. The Hospice and Palliative Care Foundation is the nonprofit organization that funds and manages Camp Hands of Hope. The Hospice and Palliative Care Foundation, please visit www.ocfoundation.org. Also, research shows one in seven children will lose a parent or sibling before the age of 20. Census data shows this equals over 10 million children nationwide. This means more than 150,000 children in South Carolina will experience a loss before their 20th birthday.